This is the greatest day in human history. Forever. The greatest day in human history. When he arose. We were talking coffee shop. You know, the resurrections started with B.C. and A.D. What, what did you say that was? Anna Domina, which means the year of the Lord is what that means. The year of our Lord is where it all started in the resurrection. That's affected eternity. Amen. The year of our Lord. Woo, I got goosebumps. Everything, everything. Wow. Wow. Father, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day. We thank you, Lord, for the resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that this is a blessed day, and we thank you for your word. And, Lord, we just honor you, and we thank you for all you paid for for us. When you said it's finished, it's finished. Amen. John chapter 20. Give me an amen down there. She said amen. John chapter 20. Verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher and seeing the stone taken away from it. She runs and comes to Simon and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away my Lord out of the sepulcher and we know not where they've laid him. Peter therefore went forth and the other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together, and the other disciple outran Peter, and came first to the sepulcher, and he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying yet, and went he he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following, and went into the sepulcher, and seeing the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place. I want to stop right here. Josephus said that, you know, when Jesus was in that tomb, he had 125 pounds of cocoon around him. And he said for three days that cocoon was empty. For three days all those people passed by looking at that empty cocoon and re- realized that that is a miracle because he's not in it. So we don't, we don't have that part of history. But that thing weighed 125 pounds and there it lay and he was not in it. The grave was preaching no more. Then went he also the other disciple and came first to the sepulchre and saw and believed. For as yet he knew not the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead. Hallelujah. Then the disciple went away into their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping. And she wept and she stooped down and looked in to the sepulchre and, and seeth the two angels in white sitting one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She said unto them, Because they've taken away my Lord, and I know not where they've laid him. And when she had said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not it was him, it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seek thou? She supposed him to be a gardener, said, Sir, if you have borne him hence, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said, Mary. She turned herself and said, Rabona, which is to say, Master. And Jesus said to her, touch me not. And what he was saying to her, don't continually touch me. She got a hold of him. She wasn't going to let him go. And that's what the Greek says. For I'm not yet ascended to my father, but I go to, to my brethren. And go to my brethren, saying to them, I've ascended to my father and your father, to my God and your God. 
And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and they had spoken these things unto her. And the same day in the evening was the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said, Except I shall see his hand prints in the nails, and put my fingerprints in the nails, and thus my hands in his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. Then came Jesus to the door, being shut, stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither your fingers, and behold my hand, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust in my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those that have not seen me, and yet have believed. Amen? Amen. You know, I was thinking about Paul when he said in Philippians, he says, uh, let's, let's just read it. I want to read some of that, the first part of that to you. Philippians chapter 3 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord, verse 1. To write the same thing to you indeed is grievous, for, for, but for your, it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision of those that mutilate. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Say, I have no confidence in the flesh. Amen. Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any think that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrew, touching the law of Pharisees, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That I may know him and what? The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Is that something? To know him in the power of his resurrection. You know in the book of Acts chapter 4 it says with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them. With great power gave they witness of the resurrection, and great grace. And the fellowship of his suffering being conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead, not that though I have already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that, that I may apprehend that for which I was apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, Brethren, I count not myself to be apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind. Isn't that a good thing to do? Reaching forth to the things that are before, I press towards the mark of the prize. You know what the Greek says? I press towards the mark into the prize. Into the prize. Into the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. Pressing into the prize. 
Now let us therefore as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this. Hallelujah. Bless God. Amen. Amen. So we see what Paul was saying here. One of the things Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he said, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, one of the things we're talking about here, we are living in the resurrection of another. Let me say it. You know, I've been saying this so long. We're living by the faith of another. We're living by the life of another. Living by the love of another. It's all by another. But you know what? It's really in another. I'm going to change that just a little bit. We are living in the life of another. Not by the life. We are actually into that life. We are living into the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. We are living in the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. The New Living Bible, it says in Romans 4.25, it says, He was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God. I like that. You know, what Jesus did on the cross took care of us. He took care of who we were on the cross, but the resurrection gives us who we are gives you your identity your identity is his identity let me read this in the new living bible and in, in the i'm gonna read in colossians i'm gonna start in verse eight don't let anyone capture you through empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from spiritual powers of this world rather than from christ for in christ lives all the fullness of god in a human body so you are complete through your union with Christ. Ah, let me read that again. Eric would say, let me hear that again. Say it, Eric. Let me hear that again. Okay. For in Christ lives all the fullness of the Godhead in the human body, so also you are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. You know, one of the things I want you to understand right here, that we, God placed us in union with Christ. We don't need to look for him coming. We don't need to thank hope for his coming. You're living in union with him already. Amen. He can't get any closer than he is right there. You can't get any closer than he is. So don't let the enemy try to put him off somewhere and you here. Because you're even seated with him in heavenly places right now. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. Amen. You're already there. It can't get any better. Amen. When he said it's finished, it's finished. Now listen to this. You are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over all rule and rulers and authority. How many rulers and authority? Okay. When, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your old sinful nature. You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And when you were raised to the new life, because you trusted in the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. God what? Made you alive with Christ. For he forgave you all your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. In this way, catch this, he disarmed principalities and rulers and authorities. He disarmed them. And, and really what that means is unemployed. Concerning you, they're unemployed. They can't work anymore. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. 
So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat, drink, or for what not celebrating certain holy days or new moons or ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rulers are only a shadow. These rules are only a shadow of the reality yet to come. But Christ himself is that reality. Christ is the reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or worshiping angels, saying that they have had visions of these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. They are not connected to Christ, the head of the body. For he holds the whole body together, its joints and ligaments, and grows as God nourishes it. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. Free. What does free mean? So free from spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following rules uh, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about the de- about that deteriorate that we used to use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires because there's only one answer. So chapter 1, verse, chapter 3, verse 1. Since, say since. King James says if, but I like since. Since. Since you've been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place and honor of God at his right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things on the earth, for you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. You died to this life. You know, I think the reality, if we ever understand the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection and the union that we have with him, it was finished. The old is gone, Second yeah. Corinthians 5, 17, and all things have become new. Yeah, it's a whole new way. And when Christ, who is your life, we're living in the life of another. Yeah. It is revealed the whole world will share in his glory. Hey. I'm not even going to go to the next one. So put to death. Don't go there. You don't have to go there anymore. Because his crucifixion was your crucifixion. Your burial was his burial. Your ascension was his ascension. And you're seated with him in heavenly places. Does it get any better than that? That's good stuff. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says, The love of God constrains me. What does that mean? It keeps me from flying apart. It's the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost that constrains us. It keeps me from flying apart. If it wasn't for the love of God, we'd all fly apart. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all died. And if all died, that they that live should no longer live for themselves, but for him that died and rose again. It says, therefore, we know no man after the flesh. Though we've known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth we know him that way no more. For if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away and all things are become new. Amen. And all things are of God. Who has given us the ministry of reconciliation or exchange. For God was personally present in Christ Jesus. Reconciling the world to himself. Amen? Amen. He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the very righteousness of God in him. It's a setup. 
It's a done deal. It is finished. You know, John 6, let me read John chapter 6. I want you to hear me today because I'm telling you, it grieves me so much when so many people, they're looking for the great day of the Lord. They're looking for the great day of the Lord. I'm going to tell you the great day of the Lord has already come for you. Amen. There'll be another great day of the Lord, but it's that other bunch that's going to get in trouble on that great day of the Lord. <laughs> Some men's sins go on before the judgment. Others follow after. Yours is already gone. Yes. You've already, that's all, your sin's already been judged. Amen. Hebrews chapter 9 says, by one offering, he took yes. care of sin forever. Yes, Lord. How long is forever? All forever. The forever. Forever. It's been taken care of. Past, present, future, and he ever lives to make intercession for, the, for you right before the very presence of God. Yes. Hold my mule yes. while I shout. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I believe it. John six thirty eight. that's where I was going. Oh, thank you, Lord. It says, For I came down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the will of him that sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing. Say nothing. But should raise it up at the last day. Raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Say last day. He's going to raise us up at the last day. Okay, 40. All right. We read that. I will raise him up at the last day. Everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. In John chapter 10, verse 30. Let's look over there where we're in John. John 10, verse 30. I and my Father are one. Now I'm going to go up to 28. I give, okay, verse 27. It's all so good. I just don't have time to read it all. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. They never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You get that? My Father which gave them me is greater than I, and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Say union. Say, ooh, Lord, Lord, Lord. That's called union. Okay. And no man's able to, to pluck them out of my hand. John 6. Let's go back to John 6. I'm going to go to verse 54. We're going to do this today. Oh. Whosoever eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Say last day. Last day. There's that last day showing up again everywhere you look. John seven thirty seven. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. And out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he of the Holy Ghost, which they that believe on him should receive, because the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. That last day. See, the last day that Jesus died was your last day. The last Adam died, you died. There'll never be another Adam. That was the old things passing away and all things become new. And he's the first fruits of a whole new generation. So when you think of last day, don't think of someday. Your last day was his last day. Because yes. when he was crucified, you were crucified. Yes, when he was buried, you were buried. Yes. When he was raised, you were raised. Yes. 
And you are living in the resurrected life of another. Now, not someday. Now you are the sons of God. Now, not going to be. Now are you the sons of God. Does not yet appear what you shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the Bible says, 1 John four seventeen, as he is, so are we now in this present world. Why? Because we're living in union with him. If we could get that down inside of us, we wouldn't keep separating him from us. Amen. You can't separate something that's in union. Yes. God has placed us in union with him, and it cannot, cannot be broken. Remember when Jesus went to Lazarus? Lazarus was dead and he waited another day to make sure he stinketh. Four days. Three days you can get away with. The fourth day they stinketh by now. He waited the fourth day and she came and Martha said to him, Jesus, she said, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know one thing. Even now, whatever you do, he'll live And Jesus said to her, let me read it. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again at the resurrection at the last day. Why is everybody making the resurrection of the last day someday in eternity, whenever, who knows when that's going to be? They already knew about the resurrection. I know he'll rise again at the resurrection. But Jesus said unto her, listen to what Jesus said. I am the resurrection. I am the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And he that liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Shall never what? Shall never die. Believest thou this? Yeah, I believe. But he stinketh. I believe it, but he stinketh. I believe it. Now I want to tell you something. Jesus was the resurrection before he was ever crucified. He said, I am the resurrection. See, the resurrection is not an event. It's a person. We are living in the resurrection of another for eternity. Because he lives, he said, because I live, you'll live also. Amen. Remember in Matthew 27, it says, when the veil was rent from top to bottom, it says, immediately after that, the graves were opened and all the saints were seen in Jerusalem walking around. Well, why is that? Because when he was raised, all the saints were raised with him. The graves were opened and all that was fulfilled then. Amen. Why do you want to wait till someday? The dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay, whatever that's all about. But I know one thing, wherever he is, we are. And one of these days, Colossians said, If you be, or since you've been raised with Christ, set your mind on things above. For you're dead, your life is hid in Christ. And when Christ comes, then you'll come back with him to get the rest of what's left of you. And that old corruptible body that we still have is going to put on an incorruptible. It's going to be exchanged in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible says it's going to be exchanged. The incorruptible is going to be left behind, and we're going to get a glorious, incorruptible body made like unto his glorious body. Is that exciting? That's the only exchange we got left waiting for. The rest of it has already been taken place. You are complete in him who is the head of all principalities. 
John 12, 31 says, Jesus says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And if I be lifted up or resurrected from the earth, I will draw all men to me. You know what the word draw means in the Greek? Drag. Some of us had to have more than just a draw. Some of us had to be dragged. Hill marks all the way. I'll drag all men unto me. Look it up yourself. Thank God he did. Oh, thank you, Lord. A while ago, he was reading 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read 1 Corinthians. Where is it? Matthew, Mark, Corinthians. There it is. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. You know, this is so real. Why do we have trouble believing it? Why? It's all right there. Have you been raised with him? Are you waiting someday to be raised with him? If we've been buried with him in baptism and we've been raised to walk what? Do we have newness of life? Have we already been raised? Has he done everything for us he's going to do? Yes. Is it finished? Yes. What's our problem? We don't believe it. We don't believe the whole report. Okay. 1 Corinthians 15. I was going to verse 12, wasn't I? Now, he, he, he read that a while ago. Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some of you that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified that God has raised up Christ, whom he raised not. If so be that the dead rise not. And if the dead rise not, then is Christ not raised? And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you're still in your sins. How would you like that? Then they which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we have all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. Okay, what's the first fruit? Does that mean there's more fruits later? Yes. Yeah, he's the firstborn of many other sons and daughters. He's the first fruit. Oh, there's many more fruits coming. Oh. Woo. Where did I get to? Verse 21. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Say, I've been made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterward they said Christ at his coming. Has he come? You remember when he said to the disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you orphans. I'm going to send a comforter when he comes to you. And when he comes, he's going to lead and guide you into everything. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Has he come back to you? Yes, he has. In the Holy Ghost. He's already come to you. Thank you, Lord. He's already come to you. Thank you. Woo, at his coming. Then comes the end. All right, there is coming an end. When he will deliver up the kingdom to the Father, when he hath put down all rule and authority. Has he already put down all rule and authority? He made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it. For he must reign till he put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. And i got news for you. He's already destroyed death. For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he likewise took part of the same that through his death he might destroy him that hath power of the death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And he has the keys of death and hell. Who has the keys of death and hell? The last enemy has already been destroyed, death. He said, he that believeth in me will never what? 
Oh, yeah, this old body will quit pumping one of these days, and I may fall right here one of these days, but don't worry about it. Just kick me aside because I'm gone. I've got a new body. Thank God I'm gonna ha- not going to have to put up with this old body for eternity. Give me an amen out there. We're going to have a glorified body likened to his own body. Amen. No more pain. No more sickness. But you know what? It's all been paid for. It's all already. It is finished. And even death has been taken. No more enemies. How many enemies left? No enemies. That's awesome. It's a setup. You know when this took place? From the foundation of the world. Ephesians 1 says that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without sin before him in love, before he ever created anything. Is he sweating anything? No, he's not. He's enjoying it. Ah. Okay, John twelve forty seven forty eight. He that reject me and receives not my words hath one that judge him. The words that I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. His word is already judged. He's done said it all. Hebrews nine twenty four through twenty eight says for he must the let's let's just read that one. I can't just bypass all of them. Hebrews nine and I'm gonna read twenty four. For Christ has not entered into the holy place made with hands, which is a figure of the true, but into heaven itself. Ooh, glory. Now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For he must often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but once now in the end of the world. When? What is it? Say end of the world. This was the end of the world for you. This was the end of the world. Once in the end of the world hath he suffered, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Once in the end of the world, the end of the age, and we got a new age. See, really, we're the new agers. The world once again stole who we are. We are the real new agers. We have a new age. And as it is appointed unto man once to die after this to judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. And unto them to look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And that's already happened. Now there will be a third time. He is coming a third time. But the second time, he's already come. Because I will come to you. Right? He came the first as a baby. He came the second in the form of the Holy Spirit. He'll come again. The third time. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Colossians 2, 9. For in Christ dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is ahead of all principalities and powers and dominions and might and everything that's named in this world and the world to come. Ephesians 1, it says he's put all things under his feet and gave Christ to be head over all things to the church, which is body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. Say fullness. Oh, Christ dwells all the fullness and you are complete in him means you have all the fullness of the Godhead in you. Because why? You're living in union with him who is full of it all. Amen. This is a setup. Ephesians 3, 17, 19, to know the love of Christ was past his own knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. Is that someday or is that now? You've been filled with the fullness. 
Ephesians 4, 13 says, Till we all come into the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect, mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Amen. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sly and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we go up into him who is all things, who is Christ the head. Amen. You're in him. Amen. The fullness of the Godhead dwells in you. And you dwell in him. You're in union with one another. That's a good deal. That's called the exchange life. The very nature of God you're living in and he's living in you. You know, he's given us a new soul. You know what the new soul is? Second Peter chapter 1. Whereby are given us exceeding great and precious promises that by these promises you might be a partaker of his divine nature. That new exchange life is his divine nature. We're living in the divine nature of another. That's, that's just this is the truth. This is the gospel. That's why it was called good news. We've made the good news bad news by putting all these do's and thou shalt do's and don't do's. And religion has made this whole thing about morality. Don't do this. Don't do that. Religion has made this about morality. Jesus never bothered with morality. Real Christianity is immortality. Amen. I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Yes. He just cut it all away, buried it, started over with a whole new creation. You know what he said? God said, and your sins and iniquities will I will never no more. Because Jesus took care of sin once for all. Yes. So God could fellowship with you on the basis of the new creation. The new, the second man. Is that a good deal? What's this all about? Communion. Come on up, Eric. Where's he at? Think about the great exchange we talk about. From darkness to light. From death to life. From corruption to incorruption. From sin to righteousness. From curse to blessing. From poverty to abundance. From shame to glory. From rejection to acceptance. From the old man that's died to the new man that lives forever. And he's alive forever. And so you don't have to ask me. I know. This is what this is all about, the great exchange. Every time you see this, this is the great exchange. That God was in Christ exchanging the world to himself. And this is my body and this is my blood. Amen. And I rest my case. Dorman told me to go ahead and and release y'all today. Lord, everything that we heard today, we receive it with the gratitude of the grace that it was given. We thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and that you are well and that you are not in that tomb. And we don't celebrate a cross hanging on a wall, but we celebrate that empty hole in the ground over there that you don't live there anymore. So today in this place, I thank you, Jesus, that you've released us from grave clothes, that we come a new and living way, and that there is a better covenant that we come by, and it is 
is the one sealed and ratified and forever settled in the blood of Jesus. As we go our separate ways today, bless our food time, bless our family time, bless all the kids and grandmas and grandpas everywhere, safe trips home in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for the rain that you're bringing to us, oh Lord. We are not going to put up with drought, and we declare, as Doppler Dave said, even if it rains today, that's okay, oh Lord. We receive the moisture that you're bringing to us. In Jesus' name, we declare it. Amen. Mm.